Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. Hello, all you good humans, and welcome back to Good Humans Podcast. Big thanks to everybody who's been tuning in over the last couple of weeks. It's really cool to see people jumping on the 1% podcast uh, that came out just this Tuesday. It's been really nice to see the response that people are enjoying the things that I have to say. And big thank you to everyone who's been leaving us a review, who's been sending us messages on social media and letting us know that the podcast is having a positive impact on them because it means the world to me. And it also is a big, big positive thing for the guests to hear that their stories are inspiring people. So yeah, if you're really enjoying the podcast, it would would mean the absolute world for me if you could go and leave a little review on apple podcast or on spotify they have a new feature now where you can leave a review or leave five stars because it really helps us move up the ratings and yeah get this podcast to more ears and on to today's episode this is a pretty special one for me I was lucky enough, obviously you probably all know now, professional surfer, and I was lucky enough to travel the world for quite some time. And this guest is a really good friend of mine. He got to travel with me for my a lot of my career. He was one of my biggest competitors as a junior surfer, and we talk all about that in this chat. He's um, a really special guy. He's the first uh, Indigenous Australian to ever qualify for the World Surf League Tour, and he got to represent the country so proudly and wear the Indigenous flag on his shoulder. Um, he's had a journey unlike a lot of people. He's really open and honest in this chat about the ups and downs he went through and the way that he managed his emotions through those difficult times from losing events to being unsure of if he's going to be able to be a professional surfer due to a bit of a slump in the early part of his career. So welcome to the podcast, a good friend of mine, Solly Bailey. How you going, mate? Yeah, good. Good to see you. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's very nice. We're like down here in Newcastle right now for the surf Australian board riders battle. I'm surfing in the event and you're down here getting some work done. And I was like, you know what? Who can I get on the potty this week? And I ran into you on the street yesterday and I was like, hey, do you want to jump on? And you're straight to jump at it. And yeah, your first podcast ever. So thanks yeah. for jumping on. I'm looking forward to having a chat. We're very close in age and we've traveled the world together. So it's going to be cool to dive deep into your story and get to share your story with the good human listeners out there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, it was pretty, like, we seen each other and it's just, I was kind of down here for work and watching you guys compete and, um, yeah, it was just it kind of, I don't have much going on, which is perfect because uh, this has filled a little bit of the day in and, um, yeah, it's cool to be doing my first podcast with a mate that we've travelled fairly, uh, fairly extensively over the last 10 years together. Yeah, so let's start back early days, Sully Bailey. Let's rewind back to where you were born, where you grew up, and what sort of family life you had, I guess, from the start, because it really sets up the story for people to know the journey that you've been on. Yeah, all right, the start. Um, well, but to start with, um, born and bred Byron Bay, um, yeah, raised there, like, 
anyone that knows Byron Bay is pretty small town, like pretty fun little beaches everywhere, some point breaks, not far from the Gold Coast with all the incredible waves up there. And um, then you go south and you've got, you know, you got your Angaris and, and uh, Lennox Points. So pretty blessed with waves. Um, and yeah, it was just a small sort of surfing fishing town. And um, yeah, basically spent most of my life in the water whether it was surfing or fishing with my old boy and and um that's sort of where it all begun yeah i know you do have a i know your story well so i can kind of guide you into some nice little points that i think are really interesting that people really get a lot from so you're obviously really close with your dad how important has that relationship been for you with your dad from a young age yeah yeah definitely um my old boy has been like a, a huge driving force behind my career and um just just surfing in general he he's got he's got just as big a love for the sport as any professional surfer or any surfer any um throughout the world and um you know i think he's sort of him and i have almost got like a best mate relationship where sometimes i'll listen to him go oh mate you're tripping no you're wrong but he's generally right (laughs) which is the way that it goes with um with family and parents you know they've got more experience than you and they're trying to give all the experience to you um but yeah like right from the beginning there's there's uh photos and and just memories there for me like from I think the age of three years old being pushed onto waves at the pass or basically like he was holding my hands before I could even swim or walk and like running next to me along in like ankle deep water at little runners at the pass there um and then yeah just grew from there like he had a he was managing a surf school and I'd just take me to the beach and I'd just be surfing next to the surf school and almost running over all the surf school, <laughs> <laughs> learn to surf crew. And, um, yeah, that was pretty much just my childhood. And then, um, I think my first event was, uh, at Lennox point, Lennox beaches, that rusty Gromfest or something like that, about nine years old or eight, eight or nine years old. Yeah. It's, um, it's so cool. Obviously how early you got introduced into surfing and, I mean, we've been competing against each other probably since you were eight or nine. I would have been nine or ten yeah. at that initial comp that we surfed in. And we'll move forward eventually to the story. I'm pretty sure you beat me in the final when we were 16 in our last year of the event. Yeah. I never won that one because Banting got me every time. And then I'm pretty yeah. sure you got me in the last one. I've got a funny story about that uh, that uh, that actual event, which which was a, probably a pretty diverse like point in my career. Or, or I don't know if diverse is the right word, but... um like defining point in my career at my age. Like I'd, I'd really had a tough run leading into um, a handful of events over the previous years. You know, that age where you're like 15, I think I was 15 and you were 16. It was, um, and you grow, you get your growing pains and all that. And your boards are just not right. And you just like, I seriously wasn't surfing. Like I was surfing better at 13 than I was or 12 than I was at, 14 15 mm. um maybe some fun of like more power in that but just just so gangly and fallen heaps and whatnot no results over a few years and my both my um parents were like you know like maybe you're gonna have to just put your head down at school like if you if you if you don't really come come together and pull it off for this this event or the Oki grom comp was the one after mm. it um you know you might have to consider like just we'll still surf but really put your head down at school and and um <laughs> Yeah, that that result, um, winning that event kind of consolidated my parents that I could have a go at a professional career, and I think it really showed some sponsorship um, 
backing as well from that event. So yeah. sorry and thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember yeah. that event. It was really funny because I remember I won the air show in that event. Yeah. And it was like, I won the air show and I won like a $2,000 Nixon watch and like all these really good prizes. And yeah. I think I got second to you in the main event and like the prizes were like a $500 JV Hi-Fi voucher. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I lost the event, but I kind of got the yeah. better prizes. Yeah. It was like, yeah. it, was a, it was a bit of um, a silver lining in that one for me. But yeah, definitely. Let's go back a little bit. You touched on school because I know you from a young age were so destined to be such a good surfer. And me, you, and I guess a handful of guys like Matt Banting, Craig McTaggart, Noah Dean, we're all kind of those top guys in that junior career. Mm. And school is something that, surfing's interesting because we can start quite young getting say paid or getting supported so what sort of relationship did you have with school and how much did you enjoy did you hate school what was your journey like at school um look I really enjoyed school um like the friendship building and just hanging out um just the the morale and the kind of like just the the whole idea of it um but the the academic side of it was just was just not good for me it was hell <laughs> i personally just i from a young age i fell behind this is before even my surfing career um like right in the beginning i had a like my my parents split and it was a pretty like distort this is what i put it back to in the right in the beginning where i, I just didn't have like that solid um consistent like go home home like school um like family life at family home. life I was kind of like didn't know where I was going to my mum didn't know where I was going to my dad's so I was more worried about where I was going than all learning how to read and write and like just the, the general basis of um, schooling and then those years like going into like year four and five the years that really matter where you start to like get gauge the understanding of like academics mm. I was behind, so I just, I was just, and I was already surfing, so I was kind of just like, oh, fuck school. Like, <laughs> I don't like it. And like, I just was like, I kind of had a really bad attitude to it. And that's where I come look at, reflect on myself, and I kind of went, well, I gave up on that, you know, but I also, I focused on surfing. So it's like the silver lining to it was, it kind of left me no choice other than to really knuckle down and be, become something in surfing, because otherwise I had to rewind and, really focus on academics which was it was hard for me mm. um i think now like over over a lifetime you start to just you just have to learn like yeah. you eventually just you get forced to learn the academics um but if if i was to walk into a university right now i'd just like my my mind would just melt <laughs> i'd be like oh my god i look at my partner's freaking study she's like nearly finished her second degree and I'm just like, look at, I'm just like, what's going on here? <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just, um, that's basically schooling for me. Uh, it was a hell of, hell of a time. So much fun. I'd like to rewind and do it all again. Um, just for the good times. Um, but yeah, you know, like I think it's really important to, to just get that foundation cause it's it, with anything in life cause mm. it just rockets you into, into a solid, house you know like foundations everything even competing yeah definitely i think something that we probably hold that's very similar is the experience of traveling and how much do you put down to your let's not say academia but like the way that you think and the way that you act in society and the like i like to look at it like traveling as a pro server from a young age kind of it's like the university of life like mm. we learn so much on the road how to fend for yourself like how old were you at your first probably overseas trip maybe like without your dad yeah i was um my first overseas trip was 
without my dad was at 12 years old yeah. and pretty much I think like at, if I was doing five trips a year there was one of them was with my dad from 12 mm. um and then and then by 16 it was full-time traveling I barely was at school and none of it was my with my parents um you know like family holidays or yeah. surf trip with my old boy was always on the cards every year <laughs> but the general basis of traveling was definitely um on my own and like like we all know like you know, going through an airport's mad at the best of times. At 12 years old, trying to work out for yourself what's going on, or with a with a chaperone that's just sort of doing their own thing as well. Mm. It's um, you you just got to you got to learn on the fly. Yeah, how important do you think that was for your sort of learning and growing up, getting to travel? Like, do you put down? Do, do you think you learnt more from traveling than you did from school? A hundred percent. I like. I think that everyone. Oh, like life experiences are where you learn the most. Mm. And I think our life experiences started so young that we had like that gains on it. Um, yeah. The traveling and just like the worldliness that we got from a young age from just doing it, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. I think that's one of the most important things for anyone to learn. And generally you finish high school and you go and have a year off and you go and do that and you kind of get a bit of a gauge of it. For us, it was just like straight in the deep end. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, I guess when we travel, you kind of just have to learn to fend for yourself. And it's such a good way, I think, to grow up. I mean, we're obviously very fortunate, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, we're super, I'm super grateful and super, know how lucky I was to get to do that because I know a lot of people don't have the opportunity. But I think it's important that people, once they do, say, finish school and have the opportunity to travel, is so important. Another thing that I found when traveling was really important for me was, we get to see such diverse cultures and we get to understand how different the world is out there than our kind of insulated, let's say, privileged bubble bubble of living in Australia. Obviously, mm. some people have got it very tough, but I don't want to take away from that. But I think when you go to third world countries like Indonesia and all around the world from such a young age, mm. for me, it really showed me a lot of gratitude to know mm. how lucky we do have it. But also it allowed me to build an understanding of culture. What, what was that experience like for you? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, yeah, like, you know, you said going to Indo and I think like all those places. And then, and then when we, when we ended up going to Brazil and places like that, it's just like a whole nother level up. And mm. it's just like the reality of like, we have definitely have a, um, you know, a pretty tough society and there's people doing it really tough, but our actual system still is somewhat there for when you go to those countries, there is no system. Mm. It's like be killed or kill. Yeah. Like when you're in that, it's just wild. Like, and you just kind of like, it's a really big reality check. Um, and you kind of got to be on your toes as well. Like, you know, cause you, you just, your wallet will just go flying out of your back pocket at any minute. And, you know, and I just, it's just like, it's, it is, it's kind of like, you're just grateful because you like, we had the opportunity to like go and do a surf comp and, and take on this, like these amazing experiences um, from such a young age with the country that we grew up in, which I'm so grateful for. Mm. Um, and I think that, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of like lost for words no, right no. now, but yeah. Let's, um, go to that event that we were talking about, the Rusty Gromfest, where mm. you kind of were going through those tough stages. Cause I know we have a lot of kid listeners and a lot of young surfers listening to this podcast. What was it like going into that event? If you can remember, it's obviously quite some time ago with that somewhat pressure, maybe from your family going like, Oh, 
if you don't do well in this one, maybe we're going to have to reconsider schooling and stuff. Do you remember the kind of feelings that were going through your head? Because I, we will get into it because I've traveled with you a lot and I know the roller coaster of emotions that you tend to go on with ups and downs in event that we all go on. But you in particular, I've been with you after some big losses and some yeah. big wins as well. So I think that might have been a really good catalyst for you to understand that there is going to be like kind of ups and downs and when it's all on the line and you have that pressure. What was that comp looking back on it like for you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, at the time, I had no idea how my my like my system worked. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as you grow as a competitor and throughout life, you start to understand yourself and how you tick. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think to start with, like being backed into a corner like that, even though it was a very small corner, my yeah. parents were like, "Well, you're just going to have to go back to school and just keep surfing on the weekends and focus on something else because um, we can't keep taking every comp all over the country and and uh, out of school." Um, and I think being back into that corner, it was where I performed the best and like throughout my whole career, like, and you know, people can vouch for that. I'm like, I'm sure you've seen it too. Yeah. Like on those dead cut moments, like the year I qualified, it was like by the skin of my ass. Like it was like, there was a heat there I had where I was at, I was losing and it was just bang, like all happened I think when I get the chance to think too much I think too much (laughs) and just like scramble the thing whereas if it's just on the just on the money just get it done get it done get it done it's almost the way I perform best I think a lot of people perform best that way because that's just your natural instincts coming out of the fighter in you Mm. um so yeah that definitely was probably looking back at it was was actually a really good thing that my parents did by just kind of saying like look this is how it is like you know it's um yeah it's the real world. Yeah, like, it's, it's the real it's world. The real in, world. In, in a way, it was the real world, yeah. yeah. Seriously. And then, so after we finish that kind of under-16s level, we move into the junior series and another one of our good mates who we travel with, Wade Carmichael, beat me in the junior series one year. I'm pretty sure you won the next year and beat me. <laughs> so I got bridesmaids twice to two of my best mates who yeah. I've traveled with my whole career. What was that step up like for you going into that junior series? Because you did have some good sponsors backing you after a, quite a good year in those last under-16s events. So what was that? next step up like for you going in because i talk about it a bit in the podcast for us we kind of go from the top in our australasia level like you won the junior Mm. series i'd got second a few years let's talk about that experience let's say even like what sort of ego you felt like you carried from being quite successful and then once we step into that next level like and you can attest for it too you go from the national sort of top of the league to the international yeah what was that transition like for you to deal with yeah, definitely. I think it's a really emotional roller coaster. Like surfing in general, any competitive sport in general, it's just there's so many highs and lows. But um, you know, coming from like you said, like almost one of the one of the top Australian under 16s and then stepping into a smaller like a, a reasonably bigger field of kids from I think when we were competing it was from 20, 21 yeah. 21 to I was a 16 or 17 year old kid. Yeah. I'd done a few Q, uh, junior series, junior series events prior to that, but just been smashed to pieces. And I was kind of scratching my head going like, man, I can't even get over a four. And I was going and getting like eights and sevens and eights in a under 16s. That's, I think that's the, one of the toughest things for your, to keep your head down. And like, um, you kind of just like, man, I can't get the scores that I would like, why am, am I not surfing good enough? But that, also is where you grow and you become so much better because you're hungry to get to that stage where like you're the one getting those eights and nines and you sort of look at the kids that were getting them like tim mcdonald or geordie watson they were 
Jake Sylvester, like they were kids that were a few years older than us that we kind of like walked into their, their lion's den in a way. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, you kind of look at them going, I feel like I'm surfing pretty close to them. But when you look back, you just look like a child. Like you, and I think that's, that's like just where you grow massively. Um, and then the same translates to the QS and then even again to the CT, it's just like a right, like a riding roller coaster of yeah. ups and downs. I can definitely share that experience with everyone too. So, so let's talk about moving from that junior series. Then we hit the QS and we kind of, I think your first year or two, you weren't with us. And then me, Wade, Carmichael and Dion, there was a year or two where you traveled with us. What was that like for you getting to, because it was funny. We all kind of, I think Wade qualified one of the years that you were traveling with us. And then like Dion had some good years. How important was that having those kind of guys around you have that success? Because I know there was up and I've met you probably shared the same thing where we might've felt like we sort of underachieved watching the other guys do well. Let's talk about some of the events where you'd like had a few, few bad results in a row and there was that kind of, oh, I'm, I'm over this. I'm going to quit. How do you pull yourself back from that? Yeah. You know, I think, I think, you know, consecutive losses is so hard to keep, like confident and keep like going you know what this is like what i want to do this is what i want to do like this when you're down in the dumps with the cold competitive side of things and you're just like pulling your hair out you're pouring money into this like this um sport and you're just not getting anything out of it you're training your ass off blood sweat and tears mm-hmm. and um and you just turn up at an event after 24 hours of traveling there and you lose first heat in ordinary conditions and you're just like fuck <laughs> I just like, why? You know, yeah. you just want to like, like there's times where I just cried. Like I was just like pulling my hair out going like, this is freaking ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, you do have those times where you win or you succeed and, and it's just like, it's like, you just feel amazing. You're just like, this is the, this is why I do it. Yeah. And like throughout my career, I think I've slowly, it's so hard to do it because but you just got to take some of those highs and, and hold them there tight in your chest and go, um, when it's low, like I'm going to use that little bit of high and go, I know it's there. Like I just got to work hard for it. I've got to just get there. And you just got to remember like it's the process and the journey. It's not necessarily the results. Yeah. And I think that comes up a lot in this podcast. And I, sp- I spoke to Griffin Colapinto quite about it. And he mentioned saying like, oh, I won the triple crown. And then I, got third at snapper and I was like, I wasn't that happy. And he kind of put the expectation of this feeling to get to these goals. And then once he got there, he was kind of like, wait, it's not all I thought. And then he kind of realized that it was more important to just appreciate the journey and rather than appreciate just the result. It's about the journey. Like what's the kind of thoughts with that? Yeah. I think anything in life, you want what you want, what you don't have. Mm. Um, it's human, it's human nature. Like you just, you're always fighting for what you don't have or you're wishing you, you want this new thing. You just want this new thing. And, um, whatever that is, it could be like just an item or it could be a result or whatever. Um, and once you have it, you kind of just like, you're just like, Oh, I've got it now. Like, um, and it's like an amazing moment. And then you're just kind of like, Oh, what now? What, Mm. um, so yeah, like I think the journey is such an important one to to really like just appreciate the whole thing. It's so hard in the moment because you you are you're focused on that thing that you want, like that result mm. or whatever it is. Um, but I found you know all the years of competing on the QS and like times where I was going to quit 
because I just lost consecutive results in a row and I was just fed up. Fell in. The first year I was on it, I like had a had a really good year. Like I just freaking almost, I think I missed out by like two or three spots. And yeah. I was just like, oh, this is sick. Next year I'm going smash to pieces. Like didn't get anywhere near the top, nearly dropped out of the primes um, at the time. And then I think the following year, uh, might have been the same thing or or I got a result I won that Vulcan Pipe Pro and it was only a 3000 but in my head I thought oh I'm I've, a winner again I've won this thing like I've started the year amazing alright next event next event I went the whole year without making it I think that was might have been the year that you would have seen some of the most like emotional I was like the whole year without making a heat and like halfway towards the end of the year I was just like I'm freaking done like I can't do this um and then the following year, same things, beginning of the year, I'm like smashed to pieces. Dead set. I remember Dion seeing me in Japan on the beach and I went, I'm, this is it. I'm like, I'm done. And I called my manager, Mick Kane, and I just said to dad and Mick, I was like, this, I'm, I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm just emotionally just smashed. And he said, we'll just see the year out. Just, you know, we'll talk about it with O'Neill at the end of, the, end of this process and um, we'll, we'll make a plan. So I saw the year out and instantly at that point where I just saw the year out, it was just mm. going along for the journey, bang, 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 results, three in a row qualified. Because mm. I just didn't, I wasn't chasing it anymore. I just was like, I'm just going enjoying. to these events, enjoying, having a bit of a step back and just a, like um, appreciating the, the journey rather than the, the whole like um, fight for the success. Mm. Yeah, it was really cool and special watching you that year, the way that you pulled yourself, like you said, back from an average start to the year, but then to shift that mindset. And it's nice that you can reflect on it now and think of it like that and go, oh, I pulled back and that's when it kind of happened. And sometimes it's so important for us to be aware of that and kind of be like, oh, all right, it's not that bad. When you do have those losses, what's kind of your process? Because I know there's so many great techniques that people have when they're going through difficult times in their life. What's been your process? Because I know you love chasing big waves and kind of just enjoying the experience of surfing because you're obviously just such mm. a in love with surfing kind of guy. What's your sort of process when life is difficult? Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely think that like a big one for me is just just trying to step away from the like madness of society and just like go and do... Like we all surf. We all surfed in the beginning because we got introduced to it generally from a parent or a brother or family sister like someone best mates and it's like it's a sport that we did for the fun of it mm. and it wasn't a job and i think that we all forget that sometimes that like we actually competitive most competitive sports that we all do them as a job mm. but they're all also like a hobby yeah and i think you just got to take back and go you know this is this is actually a hobby um let's go and do it for what it is not like grinding away trying to like succeed at this this job um and i think that's probably one of the biggest things i just try and like step back and do mm. and um just being in the ocean being a being away from like the cities or yeah. you know hiking into shippies where it's freaking two and a half hours in the bush and you get in there and it's the scariest thing on earth but it's like the adrenaline kicks in and it's it's almost like the the whole job side of it goes out the door because you just your your pr- bloods yeah you're present because your blood's just flowing like a crazy man mm-hmm. because you're just like you're scared as all shit to like 
surf this sort of wave that you just forget about like I'm here trying to like get content to put out there yeah. and I think that's the coolest part about like chasing big waves and, and not that I'm a big wave chaser at all <laughs> like compared to some of the some of the guys out there you know like but um yeah you know it's just I think that's probably one of the coolest things yeah that's something I wanted to kind of talk about so you transitioned me nicely into that you've gone some big waves in your life I've always admired the relationship you have with big surf from winning an event at pipeline to surfing massive waves at ship sands to times we've been on boat trips to the mental eyes and charging probably harder than all of us what's your relationship like with fear and let's talk about specifically ship sterns because ship sterns bluff for listeners who haven't heard about it is in tasmania like you said it's like a two and a half hour hike to get there you're surfing in freezing cold water in massive waves with not that much safety around because it is quite a long way to the hospital if you do get injured out there what was your first experience like out ship sterns or what was your experience like when you've probably had your best wave out there can you talk us through a day out there what that journey is like yeah yeah well I've, I've been there twice um i think the whole whole experience is what i love most about it i by all means haven't seen it in its biggest form both times i've been there it's sort of just been like a borderlining on a couple of tow waves most of its paddle which is kind of where I like. I'd like mm. to just keep it to. I'm, I mean, like I'd love to tow a big one there, but I think to, you, trying to force yourself over the edge is one of those experiences mm. that, like, it's it's really cool. Like just pushing the limits of trying to. Like I've the second time I went to Shippies, I was there was a few waves that were borderlining on tow, but they were paddleable. Like if it was Raspierk, he would have probably sent it easily. Like he was there and he was sending it on waves that I was kind of like scratching my head going, "How did he just?" commit how did he just put his head down like i want to be there like i know i could do it like my my skills there but i can't take the the step you know um and i think that that's the sort of like that place and the experience just with like it's you only have to take a tiny step and you achieve a huge goal Mm. where it's whereas like when you're competing on a for a whole year it's like it's a year-long journey to achieve this goal when you're like looking at that one pinnacle kind of result whereas yeah. i think this is more of a like a small arena kind of thing where you you achieve a goal within 20 minutes talk me through your best wave at ship because i know you've paddled a couple pretty scary waves talk me through that process of overcoming that fear swinging on a wave like, let's go like step by step mm. with your best wave out there um Probably my first ever wave out there. It wasn't, it, it was probably like, it wouldn't have been any taller than eight foot, but it was probably like six, six foot wide. The way, the way this, the angle of the wave came in, like it had the right angle where the, the, the water was all pushing into the channel and I was probably fifth or sixth priority. Like I was way down the line, like way off the edge of everybody. And um, it sort of pushed quite wide and no one, no one even like, paddled and I sort of was half paddling over it sideways and I heard one of the boys yell go or someone was like kind of yelling at me go and I I think I love I love and hate when someone yells go because it's sort of like it it switches a flick in your head like you're just like um just like you're just like boom all right going yeah um and yeah I just was like just swung and it was actually ended up being a really easy entry I just kind of like got to my feet and it was just like saw the little step and it wasn't there and I just got to the bottom and then I just looked up and this thing was like I could have driven a friggin' car like a full drive Land Cruiser through it it was so round and big and heavy and it was just raw and for that like 
second or two that felt like 30 seconds or a minute was just silent, violent, and just amazing. Um, and I think that they're the moments for me with big wave surfing that I love and live for. Um, those, just those two seconds when you're inside a crazy tube, um, it's just like nothing else in the world exists. Mm. You and that moment is there. And to be honest, even when you do fall, I think it's the same sort of feeling. Like you're kind of like getting violently thrashed to pieces. You're at like mother nature's mercy and anything could happen, but you're just like your thoughts in that moment is that's all that matters. Yeah. It's just laser focus. And I think, I think about it quite a lot as well, just with surfing in general, no matter what problems you've got going on in life, no matter what, when you're paddling, sometimes you can be quite thinking, but I don't think there's ever been a wave that I've left my hands off a rail and I've thought anything other than what's about to happen on that mm. wave. Can you agree with that? It's, it's yeah. an interesting thing. It's such a present, like personal, present, mindful feeling surfing. If it's one foot, as soon as your hands leave the rail, you're not thinking about, fuck, I've got to do my tax return. Yeah, it's yeah. always just, all right, what am I doing on this wave? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely like you, yeah, like it's pretty wild sometimes you think about it like, what you just did on a wave and it, it just instinctively happened. Mm. You, like you, you can think about what air you're going to do or what, how deep you want to get in this long barrel at Kira or whatever. But in the end, it's just like, it just happens and, and it, you just like, it's the process just fall, unfolds itself. Mm. And then you kind of just look back and go, fuck it. Yeah, there was not, happened? what just happened? And I, there was not one thing I thought about it. Just, exactly. it just, yeah. It, and I think that like experience there, if we could translate that into everyday life, mm. we'd all be way better humans for it. Like for we'd sure. just be like, it, you'd just be doing rather than like trying to preempt and think and, and just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's why I love like what I'm doing in the kind of mindfulness space of like meditation and slowing down and just trying to really like empty that mind and like pull away thoughts is so incredible. And that's what I think why we're also drawn to surfing because it's such a peaceful and such a present sport. Mm. Let's talk about, so you qualify for the tour, which is all of our dreams, something that I wish has happened to me. Haven't quite got there. Maybe one day, maybe not, but I'm pretty happy with my life right now. Anyway, you qualify for the tour, but something I want to touch on with you, which I think was incredible was you put the indigenous flag on your shoulder. How special is it for you to get to represent your indigenous culture here in Australia on the world stage and be the first ever Australian athlete to wear not only Australian flag, but also the indigenous flag on your shoulder? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, look, I think... You know, I've worked so hard at getting to that thing that I never even thought about the the opportunities that would come if I got there. Mm. And um, we were at home one day um, after the result and and it, I don't know how it came about in my head, but I saw the flags and I was just like, I'm just going to ask. Like, this would just be so cool and special to me to, like, to be able to go around the world surfing with my culture on my shoulder and, and, um, and just really... Um, like represent what I truly love and, and my family and, and my country for what it is. Um, and yeah, that was super like WSL was super open to it and we got, we got the opportunity to do it. And it was just like, I didn't think at the time, I just didn't think it would like, I don't know. I, I, I guess I wasn't thinking that it would leave as, as big an impact as it did. Mm. Um, but when I look, think back at it, like I, I realized like how cool that was for our whole country, yeah. like for surfing. Um, and like now they're, they're like there's Kanoa 
runs the Japanese US flag, I think. It, like everyone's splitting their flags, which is so cool. I think it's like people are getting the opportunity to show their culture. I saw Tyler was running the this year. She's got the um, the pride flag on her shoulder and, and the Aussie flag. Like I think that's a really cool thing about surfing. We're all really open to expression and just like um, just open to anything. Like we're all pretty... Um, just the inclusive word. yeah inclusive yeah yeah I think and that's the beautiful thing about the ocean and what surfing brings like doesn't matter what your background is doesn't matter who you are it's just a place that we can all go be free and just express ourselves and I think that's what draws us all back to the ocean mm. and will always draw us back to the ocean I mean we're, t- we're at the day of recording right now Kelly Slater just won Pipeline he turns 50 next week and the, yeah. the relationship that guy has with the ocean is just a testament to all of us as surfers as a whole like the amazing experience that it can bring and the thing that i love about surfing too is i was speaking to someone recently about this like the low impact it generally has like my dad your dad still surf every day and like my dad's in his 60s like yeah. how, how cool is that getting to carry something through your life that much and like that's the thing about surfing we might retire from surfing as a career one day but we'll still surf all the time and yeah. i think that's quite special yeah definitely I let think. i want to talk quickly about we'll get close to the end of this what your kind of goal is now because you had a, a year on tour didn't quite maybe succeed as much as you'd have liked to but i know just as well as anyone how bloody hard that tour is but what i love about you is now is you've really shifted your focus so what's kind of on the horizon for you now with just yeah being in love with the ocean still and what's your sort of future goals coming up yeah yeah well yeah the after the year on tour um it was it was a brutal reality like just of like how hard it is and and I think like we all talked about all those losses and just like throughout your career and I think that year 2019 the amount of losses it, it was just like it was life-changing like how much I just just got decimated like like I had moments in there where I w- had a great time and and I succeeded at so many things but like w- what I had a thought I would achieve in my head was nowhere near it and I think that was the biggest life experience from that year ever Mm -hmm. um and I'd love to one day be back there and and achieve some of the goals that I set for myself that year um but I think also that like I wanted achieve like you can achieve a lot of goals without being competitive being competitive Mm -hmm. and um covid sort of that whole thing's just made me have a moment to think and the next year i'm just going to chase waves um try and get some of those experiences like shippies and places like that and and really like i want to try and see a bit of our country and um yeah chase them hopefully we get a little bit of international travel in but um really um work on some free surfing things and and just sort of um step away from competitive surfing I won't say I'm, I'm, I'm completely stepping away forever because you never know. I've still got a competitive streak You're in me <laughs> and I'm still young. So like I'd love to come back and, and, and try and achieve those goals, but I'm going to take this year to really, um, yeah, just work on some of the free surfing side of things and some other stuff, some cool projects and um, that have nothing to do with surf. Just to, um, I think we're at our ages now where there's just opportunities everywhere and it's, if you're competing and dedicating it solely to that, Mm. you sort of just your head's just got to be there the whole time there's not you know another, not another space you can be in yeah 
For sure. I know that feeling definitely. I'm trying to juggle running a podcast for one and also yeah. running a business, going to schools and running workshops, but then I'm still doing the surf events. But I think for me, I've kind of stepped away from the desire to like go out there and crush heats. I'm kind of just really enjoying the experience of competing. If I do well, I do well. And just like the year that you qualified, it's like you took a step back and just went, I'm going to really lean into the experience of this all. And mm. you had the success from it. So that's kind of where my head's at. And I'm kind of just enjoying that whole process. You touched on real briefly just then kind of some other things out of surfing. I know you're down here right now in Newcastle doing some stuff. Do you want to kind of let the listeners know because that's what this podcast is all about, good humans. It's all great to have great successes, but it's also great to do things in the community and try and give back and focus on some projects. I know obviously the environment's important to you, culture's important to you. What are some of the things that, yeah, really, I guess, fire you up that aren't maybe surf-related? Yeah, you know, like there's just a few things that I'm sort of doing. Like down here, I'm just working with um, like a reef tip which is they're basically donating 10% of their profits um, to help regenerate the reef up in um, the Great Barrier Reef. And that's sort of one thing that they're sort of, I'm just doing that for them, like working for them, but like my passion about like the environment and the culture like in our country. And I think just really trying to embrace some of that. And I want to learn a bit more of my culture. Like I've done so many years of competing and traveling and, and like, I've never really seen our country and our culture like the, the way I want to. And I want to learn a bit about that. And um, so, yeah, I'm just going to try and take this year and, and just I'll hopefully do a little bit of a trip around Oz and, and learn some of those experiences. And yeah. Um, yeah, just enjoy the process on the way. Yeah. And I bet you'll probably have one of the most fulfilled li- years of your life. And it's funny, we all chase this competitive thing for so long. And I know that so well, but the fulfillment and the purpose that I feel now doing what I'm doing far outweighs the kind of not selfishness of competing but also just understanding that service and getting to grow as a person is just as important as winning goals and I think it's important for people to understand that as well listening whether you're in a workplace or something the kind of person you are is just as important the kind as the kind of goals that you achieve and that'll bring me very nicely to the last question I ask everybody on this podcast and that is what does being a good human mean to Sully Bailey? I think uh, being a good human means to give back, treat people the way you want to be treated and just enjoy the experience and um, keep the world clean and make it <laughs> make it a better place. Yeah, I love that. Very well answered. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hard question there. Yeah. Or what does it mean a good human man? Yeah. Everyone's had to answer it and people get stuck and that was one of the better answers. Yeah. So big thanks, mate. It's been awesome to have you as a, your first ever podcast. I'm sure everyone's probably learned a lot and it's been cool to yeah reflect on some of the stuff that we've been through over our career because we have had some crazy journeys together and I'm Definitely. sure we'll have some more crazy journeys. So yeah, big thanks, Sully Bailey. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mm-hmm. 
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 